Welcome to the Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be part of the Southern Lehigh family and attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We are your hosts. I'm Mr. Howe. And I'm Mr. Castagna. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time on The, the Spartan Life. Life. Welcome to the show, Spartan Lifers. As always, I am Mr. Castagna, joined by my partner, Mr. Howe. Hey, Mr. Castagna, how you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. all things considered. I'm very excited I, about our guest. I am super excited, too. Uh, for those of you at home, uh, Mr. Howe and I are sitting down with our new friend, Mike. Uh, Mike, how do you say your last name? Uh, Mike Mahon. M-A-H-O-N Mahon. All right. And for those of you wondering why I'm calling our new superintendent Mike, it is not because I'm trying to be disrespectful or rude, but because it's what the man likes to be called. Well, that, that is true. Um, among adults, we still have to kind of hold on to the Mr. Mahan thing among the students in the building. But yes, I very much do like to be called uh, Mike by my friends and colleagues. I noticed you went with Mr. Mahan there. You're a doctor, correct? I am a doctor. But you don't go by that. I, people call me that, but uh, usually just we, Mr. is just fine. But doctor is certainly something that people call me all the time. I always thought the only reason I would ever go back to school and get a doctorate <laughs> yeah. is so yeah, I could use right. the title of doctor. You know, I think you'd be disappointed. It's a long haul just for a title, I got to tell you. But um, no, I, I, again, people call me doctor. People call me mister. Either one is, is totally great. You've got daughters? I have one daughter. One daughter. Yes, I do, uh, Ella. And uh, she graduated high school last year. And I'm very happy to say she is a freshman at Kutztown University. Right, right okay. down the street. I actually got my master's degree from Kutztown University. And what it. was it in? Uh, curriculum and instruction. Okay. Yeah, I, I did as well. Not yeah. curriculum and instruction, but uh, secondary education yeah. English. Okay. Yeah. But, but I always thought with a daughter the doctor title would come in handy when boys come to the house and, and they try to impress you. Oh, uh, Mr. Mahan, you correct them and say, uh, Dr. Mahan. Well, actually, it's it's not very handy when it comes to a daughter because uh, when my daughter's mad at me, which occurs from time to time, as, oh, as fathers as, of daughters know, uh, she will look at me and say, okay, Dr. Mahan. Uh, <laughs> with a bit of company. scorn, with a bit of scorn in her voice. Uh, so, um, no, and I, I fight off the boys very well. I throw shoes. I do all kinds of things. I don't need the title doctor to handle that end of it. But yeah, doctor is uh, uh, occasionally used as a title of scorn by my daughter when I deserve it. When I deserve it. You're, you're in good company because we both have daughters. I have two. Uh, Joe has, has one. Uh, so we're, it, it, you're in good company. Okay. We understand how good. volatile those situations good. can be. Very good. Do you have any other kids? Nope, just uh, one daughter. Oh, okay. So you were one and done. I'm a one and done okay. as well. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, the three of us have been in this profession for a long time, and uh, we've heard about your long, distinguished career. And I thought maybe we would start, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. Doctor. <laughs> I, thought that maybe, right. I don't know what to call you now. <laughs> I kind of thought we would start by just going back to the beginning, and I'm very curious, what initially drew you toward education? Um, I always enjoyed school, for sure. Uh, I enjoyed vacation like everyone else, but I, I did enjoy school. Uh, I 
actually went to college uh, and was not an education major to start. I was uh, business psychology, uh, but after a um, after a semester there, uh, I was invited back to the high school where I attended uh, to be a football coach, and uh, so I. I started coaching, and I thought, this is really nice. Uh, this is fun, interacting with kids. And uh, I, had a, I had a thought that maybe this is something I'd like to do more with a career. Uh, and so I, I changed my major uh, from you know business psychology to education. Uh, and one of the things you have to do, I knew I wanted secondary, uh, not elementary. And one of the things you had to do was decide you know, what do you want to teach? And I was very much torn. I liked English. And I liked science. And my advisor said, there's more jobs in science than English. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, I went and uh, became a biology teacher, a general science teacher. And I was able to return to my high school uh, upon graduation, where I was continuing to coach football and teach science. And, and I've, I've never, ever regretted that decision. And, and then from there, uh, you decided to go into administration. I did. Tell us, tell us about your journey to where you sit right now. I, I did. They say it's a step to the dark side, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, is how it's sometimes described. Uh, and, and so one of the things that, that you know very well is that when you are teaching, um, there are incentives to take college classes, to take graduate credits, to learn, to move up the scale. And, and in deciding you know, what credits I wanted to take, I thought, well, maybe I'll be a counselor, maybe I'll be an administrator, because I wanted to have the flexibility to do something else. And so I thought, well, let me just try it administration. So there was really no grand plan. I really had no thoughts of being uh, an administrator, but I ended up getting my principal's certificate, a master's in administration. And uh, about six years into teaching, uh, an opportunity came up. And after some some very serious thought, um, I decided to become an assistant principal, a high school assistant principal. And uh, that was you know, the first step. Because once you, everything yeah. outside of the classroom, and I say this, and I think you know this, is a compromise. Mm-hmm. Because day in and day out, you two are doing great things, interacting with kids. And well, once you, you we're know, trying. You are succeeding. Trying. You are succeeding by all accounts. Um, but once, once you take that step out and become an administration, it's a series of compromises because you move farther and farther away mm-hmm. from kids. And, and that was, uh, you know, the initial step I took and progressively I became, you know, more of, a, as we were saying before, a, a bureaucrat and less of, less of an educator. And, and here, here we are. Now you're coming from Abington Heights originally yes. up in the Scranton area, correct? Mm-hmm. Before you came down here as a superintendent. Right. So what, what brought you to Southern Lehigh? Well, p- part of it was my daughter. Uh, when we, uh, again, as I said, we had one, one child, she graduated. And so we had some flexibility in, you know, what do we want to do next? Uh, and so she is down here at Kutztown University. Uh, the Lehigh Valley has a, a great reputation as a place, and Southern Lehigh is the best reputation of any district in the Lehigh Valley. From and that's that's just true. That's that's you know a very very proud thing that that this district has, and so. You know, it just kind of worked out that this would be a place for us to come and see what's next for the Mahan family. And very big part of that for me is the Southern Lee High School District. Were there other positions you considered or even interviewed for? Well, I was looking to come to the Lehigh Valley, but when uh, the opportunity for Southern Lehigh came, that was really the, the place that attracted me. 
So, so quick jump, jump in, like get here. Cause this is the place you wanted to be. This is the place. Well, and again, I didn't know much about Southern Lehigh, uh, having been in, but the more I explored, the more you look into, you know, great places here. Uh, it was very clear that Southern Lehigh was a, a phenomenal opportunity and, and it is the, the privilege of a lifetime to be able to work here as the superintendent of schools in this great district, in this great community. What in particular attracted you to Southern Lehigh, especially considering you inherited an office where there's, I think, tumbleweed blowing across the hall. Yeah. Like, we had such massive turnover in upper administration. Yeah. I'm very curious what that looked like to you when you came in. Well, it, it is true that um, when, when I arrived, uh, we did not have a business manager, an HR director, a facility director, uh, an assistant superintendent. There were just, uh, and a lot of other positions in the central office. And that was an oddity. It was an odd thing. Um, but, but those types of problems, as is true of most problems, are temporary. You know, and and those are things that people will get through. In fact, um, we've had some really great, talented people now filling those positions, and and so it, yes, it was odd. It was something that I had not experienced before. You see a little turnover, but again, that is very small compared with the long history of achievement and success that exists in this community. And so, so we're, we're good. We're good. It was an odd thing, but we're, we're past that now for sure. And, and it's, it's got to be a little bit of a dream, too, for you to come into a district as the brand new superintendent, be able to fill all of those critical pieces that are at the central office level. I know the kids really don't probably feel any of that or know any right. of that is going on. But as, as a teacher and looking up to there for the leadership and right. guidance of the district, I think that's, it's a really, it's got to be a good feeling for you to be able to hire the best people for those jobs. Well, I will tell you, it is it is a good feeling because the people we have brought in uh, to the person are committed and recognize that, w- that it doesn't happen in the central office, it happens in our schools. And to the extent that we are going to be successful as a superintendent, a business manager, assistant superintendent, HR director, it will only be because we facilitate the work that you are doing with your kids in the classroom. And that, that is the universal focus that uh, people have in the central office now. And we're looking very much forward to, you know, having now organized ourselves a bit after the start of the year, being able to kind of reach out and do positive things for, for the entire school district. So you basically came in and inherited a blank slate, which is a great opportunity for somebody who's got a vision for this district. So would you like to talk to us a little bit and talk to our listeners about what your vision is right. for the Southern Lehigh School District? And, and I do. I mean, that's one of the important jobs of the superintendent is to, is to have some vision or some thought, some strategic plan about where we need to go. And, and so I would, I would say first and foremost, my hope is that collectively we can create an environment where we are kind to each other and that we support each other and that we recognize that we're all dealing with significant challenges and we're celebrating significant successes and we do it as a community and, and one that is respectful and again, kind. So that's, that's an overriding thought that we have. Um, but you know, with respect to, to programs and development, um, I'm very excited about the prospect of post of breaking barriers. That's kind of the theme that I've that I've brought in in some of my discussions here about planning, uh, because kids have all kinds of barriers that they face, and we have to more than just meet their needs. We have to 
provide them opportunity, mm-hmm. all right, to break those barriers. And and two of the big ones that, that I've observed uh, is the challenges of post-secondary education, right? To, to go through the whole college or post-secondary training thing uh, is, is just a big, big challenge for kids, uh, particularly those who are underserved or who may be the first time going to college in their family. And you look at, at student debt and completion rates and the majors you pick or the majors you maybe you should have picked. Um, you look at other opportunities outside of the traditional college. And, and I think there's a lot that we can do here. And, and so that is, that's one focus uh, that I have. And the other one is at the other end of the of the the range of students we have here, and that's at the elementary level. And uh, one of the greatest barriers that will exist in the life of of a, of a child and life of a person is if if they are not reading successfully and well by third grade, uh, they are likely to have a, a lifetime of challenges. Uh, because if you're not reading well in third grade, sometimes you're a discipline problem in fourth grade and you're struggling academically in fifth grade and then you have trouble in the middle school and then maybe you drop out in high school and then your career outcomes are... Uh, it, it just, it's, it's a cascade of problems. And so I, I want us to really focus, you know, laser focus is a bit of a cliche with, you know, English teachers, but we want to laser focus on making sure our kids are hugely successful readers to the person by the time they step out of of third grade. And again, those two things are not the only things we're going to be doing here, but those are two major uh, focuses of mine that I believe are centered around breaking barriers. So this laser focus, I think of yeah. Dr. Evil in the Austin. Laser, yeah, laser. Right. The laser focus. Uh, laser I was afraid of that. It's a bad word. But it's all right. Yeah. No, I like it. Right. We do. <laughs> this laser focus on reading. Yeah. Do you think that in any way goes back to the, the young guy who thought he might want to be an English teacher? And it kind of scratches that itch for you? And I, and I ask this as an English teacher. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I really do love science. And, and I, I, mean, I like to read. I do it. But, but this really is driven out of more of a of an administrative analysis and understanding of of like the literature and educational practice and and there's a lot out there but when when you look across and say what can we do well for kids where do we start um and i again i don't pretend to be a person who's trained in early childhood literacy or that but i I am trained enough to know of the very terrible outcomes that people uh, experience if they're not in this area. So um, I don't want to pretend to say that I'm going to be there the one describing the exact program that we do, but I do want to marshal that focus with our great principals and our curriculum people to say that this is what we will do well, and we will have the best language arts uh, program, K through three, in Pennsylvania, given a little time for us to, to get this done. So that's that's the goal we set. And it's it's really not driven that I'm a frustrated former uh, wannabe English teacher, uh, <laughs> but rather I'm, I'm very much wanting to provide opportunities that break barriers for kids. That is a lofty ambition. Now, I don't want to spend too much time talking about your interest in the yeah. elementary level yeah. because the bulk of the Spartan Life right. audience, right. I've always assumed, is high school students and right. their parents, and we're not a bulky audience to begin with. Okay. We can expand um, the market. We, you know, need right? we need to. We need to. 
<laughs> we certainly could. I, I do want to hear more. It's a lofty ambition. Uh, talk about some of the, the programming or curriculum sure. that, that are, is going to get this job done and yeah. make young people better readers in this district. Yeah. One, of, one of the things that um, is pretty well established, there's a lot of literature and education, and you could pretty much find a study to cite to support any point of view that you want. And then I can right? find a study to demonstrate the opposite, the opposite point, point of view. view. That's yeah. my point. Right? But, but when it comes to teaching reading, there's some very well-established um, best practices uh, that, if when utilized properly, uh, will, I think, achieve the results that we expect. Um, so we're, we're looking to, number one, have consistency in how we do it, K through three, and not to have it vary by teacher to teacher, classroom and classroom, because a lot of times the onus is put on teachers to not only just teach, but to develop curriculum and develop resources, and, and, and we must support our teachers. In, in their tremendous efforts to take care of the kids. Um, beyond that, um, some of the things, there's, there's phonics and phonemic, uh, organized phonics and phonemic instruction that, that needs to take place. Um, background knowledge is a really big thing. So when we're teaching kids to read, we have to also teach content because context is so very important for kids who are emerging readers. Um, Comprehension uh, is a very important thing. Developing systems of identifying kids who have some challenges, knowing specifically what those challenges are, and then developing interventions that catch things early so that these problems don't persist. Um, and then also, I think another important component of a successful program is having kids being able to discuss a poem or art or some form of literature with each other. Because those are very, very critical skills that we need not only at the elementary level, but in our community, right, in our nation and in our world. And so some of those really important skills of saying, what do you see in that piece of art? Or what does that poem say to you from your perspective and your experience, even in second grade, is something that will, I think, very much help us in, in who we are and what we want to achieve. One of the things that struck me that you said on Friday during our in-service is that we need to have things in place that are mirrors and windows right. to ourselves. Yeah. And I, I, I actually have given that a lot of thought since you had said that, because I don't know that I've ever actually perceived what I'm doing on a daily basis, or even the books that my daughters are reading right. as providing those mirrors or windows right. into other worlds or into themselves again. And I, I that really stuck with me. So yeah. I, I appreciate that a lot. Well, well, sure. And I want to be clear, I'm not smart enough to think that up on my own. Uh, that was something that I caught along the way. I think maybe Department of Ed or some conference I was. But the idea is, right, that as we approach our educational experience here, there should be mirrors in that we see ourselves in the content that, and, and the curriculum that we experience as in a mirror, but we also are able to see others as in through a window uh, to broaden our experiences and, and broaden our appreciation for others. And, and our hope is that we can really accomplish that in, in how we approach our language arts program and actually all of our classes, including, you know, math, which is, you know, sometimes I think incorrectly uh, perceived as dry. No, right? no, I think that's 100% Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Fight them, well, fight them. All right, we'll, we'll leave that for a future podcast perhaps, but all kinds of great things can be incorporated into something like a math class. And, and that, I think, is, is, again, our hope to have mirrors and windows for our kids to see themselves and to see others.
I've always been surprised that when you talk about having students discuss a text together, that that's difficult for them to do because it's not a foreign concept. It just right. happened 10 minutes ago in the hallway. I heard right. two teachers talking about the show Yellowstone, right. which I had just started watching. Right. And, you know, I just went out there for five minutes, and, you know, uh, Mr. Greenwald was talking about the storytelling and how by the time you get to the end of the first season, they've left these gaps, and you don't right. know why, and then eventually right. it all comes back around. Right. We were analyzing a text. Right. It just wasn't a poem. It wasn't a novel, but right. it's the same muscle that you're flexing. And if you can just make that connection and get students to see yeah. that a work is a work is a work, a text is a text is mm-hmm. a text, it's really not that hard to play into that. You're right. And very few profound discussions of text and literature and elevating ideas take place on Facebook. That's that's an issue here, right? Yeah. And and so we really need to do those in person, eye to eye, heart to heart conversations that are occurring in our buildings, uh, because that's how we're going to grow as as a community and as individuals. So I I, I completely agree. Yeah, uh, I didn't have that conversation on Facebook. I had it face. You had it face to face, right? And and if you had it on Facebook, the tone would probably be a bit different. Yeah, uh, I, unfortunately, I, I, I talk about it all the time with my students and. The things that people are willing to say on social media mm-hmm. that they would never say to your face. Oh, that's right. It's, it's, it's faceless. It's, it's I can type anything because I don't have to watch how you're going to react. Right. I mean, how many conversations do you have with people that you're reading their body language, you're trying to figure out um, whether they actually are right. agreeing with what you're saying or if you need to you know, adjust how you're saying it so that right. they can understand it better. I think, right. yeah, face-to-face conversations have always... Yeah, it, we build each other up when we're together and, and sometimes it's too easy to diminish people when we're when we're apart on this social media stuff all right we've gotten a little too lost in the weeds of elementary i want to bring it back all right bring it back so you talked about the challenges of post-secondary education yes and i think a lot of what you're talking about is financial Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it is young people majoring in undecided uh, and taking too long to kind of figure out who they are and what they want to study right and when you came to see us at our faculty meeting i was I don't know if the word is impressed, um, but you certainly caught my attention when you said you'd like to see a student have the ability to graduate from Southern Lehigh High School with their diploma and an associate's degree. Right. So the ability to form partnerships with local colleges, local businesses, and have students take a, a substantial number of college classes before they've even graduated high school. Yes. I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. Sure. Is there something to be said for letting kids be kids and giving them the four years of college to grow and develop and figure out who they are without this pressure to take college classes on top of high school classes? All right. And I'm glad you asked that question because I, I, I'm set up now. I could talk about this for, for a minute. And first, what, what I will tell you is that uh, at Southern Lehigh High School, kids are taking college level work. Right? They are doing it now. And so I will always ask, why not get college-level credit for college-level work, irrespective of where it is you're doing it? And so kids being kids and taking challenging classes should find a way to get college credits. Um, and, and when students here are graduating with 12 and 24 and 36 and 48 credits or more or 60... Right, that that frees them up to have a better time in college, right? Where maybe um, 
if they have a challenging semester, they can take off a class from 15 credits to 12 and still have a backstop, right? Or maybe they can do a dual major, right? Or maybe, you know, one of the things that, that we see and it's, it's very well established with hundreds of thousands of data points, and this is, this is the tragedy of, of higher ed, is that your chances to succeed, all right, increase massively with the wealth of the family you come from. Sure, that's not surprising. And not surprising at all. But what is, is most surprising is that if you look at high achieving, moderately achieving, and low achieving students, right, the lowest achieving but wealthiest students have twice the chance of graduating college than the highest achieving poorest families. And when we talk about inequity and injustice, that's, in a nutshell, the problem with with higher ed. Can I paraphrase that to see if I understand it correctly? Yes, yes. So if I'm a rich kid and I repeatedly throw away opportunities, I'm still going to get opportunities. Well, that's not exactly how I, I phrased it, <laughs> but it, it is. So if, if you are... I can make I can afford to make mistakes. Yes, that's it. If you are a low achiever, they, they measured in math. And again, this is um, a, a very, very large study, hundreds of thousands of data points. It's, it's true. All right. If, if you are a low achieving student in math, but your family has resources, you have double the chance... 41%, I think, is the number of graduating college than a very high-achieving math student whose family just does not have those resources. And so we, and that goes to the barriers, right? There are very real barriers that exist that we have to break. And part of it is having kids walking out of here farther down the road toward graduation than they might ever have been. And yes, we want kids to be kids, and we want kids to have fun, but number one, they're doing the work anyway. So why not find a chance to acknowledge it? And, and we, in the, in the near future, hope to have some very real announcements about how this is working. We're in contact with some college presidents and people uh, who can facilitate this kind of thing. And while I don't want to you know, get out over my skis, so to speak, in this uh, distinguished podcast, I, I am hopeful and even confident that we will be able to make some announcements where these types of things can happen that will be leveraging the great talents we have on our teaching staff who are making sure that our kids are doing college level work so why not get credit for it and and then just to, to kind of finish up i also want to emphasize that that the traditional college is not to be all end all and the end of our focus we want kids to be able to be aware of the huge opportunities in technical training, uh, in internships, uh, and we want to bring that information and those opportunities through the doors at Southern Lehigh. And a lot of great work, Mrs. Gardiello has been a great work on that already, but we want to kind of build upon the success that, that she has been able to bring to this, to this district, to this school. And, and I, I'm so confident that in, in a year or two, we're going to have, again, some really exciting opportunities and kids walking across that stage with a high school degree and an associate degree. So you're close to making formal announcements, but there's nothing you can share with us? Nothing I can share with you, no. I was really hoping for a Spartan Life exclusive. You can invite me back. That would really Uh, be a teaser. This will be a teaser of of future announcements. So I I think I get the heart and soul of this initiative. You want to provide those opportunities that are missing for the students who are high achievers but low income. You know, if we can help them Mm -hmm. while they are here, we want to make sure we can do that. 
and the the low achieving students of means, I kind of trivialized it earlier and I said, you know, a kid who deliberately kind of throws away his opportunities, but kids struggle for a variety of reasons. We want to help that kid too. And and it's more than that because college is, for someone who who may have means, but it's their first time uh, attending college or who may have a language barrier or who have all kinds of challenges before them, we want to find meaningful opportunities for kids connected to their interests and, and find ways to family sustaining jobs you know the the I don't know if you know the the guy who used to sell Ford. The, he had the baseball cap, and he would come out and and he would make a a statement about, about people say, "Follow your passions, go do what you want to do." Right, and and his response is, "No, don't fi- go get a really good job, and then take the money from that job and the stability it offers to to raise a family or pursue your passions because you can then mm-hmm. do it." And so we're we're not dissuading people from doing exciting things or being happy or you know enjoying themselves but we are going to try to set them up to enter an environment which is fraught with challenges and to have the maximum opportunity for success for uh, family sustaining work and life fulfilling uh, activities I, I get the impression that all of the, the the great things that you foresee us doing have to, have to do with providing opportunities and opening doors. Mm-hmm. So I, I, let me let me shift the question a little bit and ask: What do you think are the hurdles that are going to prevent us from providing these opportunities? What do you, what do you see as tripping us up on on this journey towards right. moving forward? Well, we're going to be successful. Let me just flat out say that. Uh, I but love there a are, like that. Yeah, I it's the truth. It's too. the truth, right? So we're we're going to be uh, in 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 a fairly short amount of time, not in a year, maybe not two, but we're going to have the best uh, language arts reading program K through three in the Commonwealth, and we're going to have the best, most extensive uh, post-secondary partnerships in the state of Pennsylvania. So we will be successful, right? Now, there are a lot of structural barriers. Oftentimes, higher ed in and of itself is a structural barrier for, for people. We're going to break that. All right, and and we're going to do it, and I say it with confidence because if there's one thing I've seen in the time that I've been here since late October, is that this place is full of talented people who are excited about kids and the and families who support what's happening, and so you know we're going to leverage that um, those opportunities and that enthusiasm and those talents. And, and do great things here. Not because Mike Mayen is a superintendent, because this is what you can do uh, yourselves here because you, you're ready to do it. You have a great team in place. You have a great community. And, and you know, I just have a few thoughts about how to maybe harness that or what direction to head. But it, it won't be the superintendent who is succeeding here. It will be the school district and its community that will be succeeding in this. Well, we've started inroads with dual enrollment, and yes. we have partner existing partnerships. Seton Hall, Pittsburgh. Seton Hall, correct. We're going to build on that. Okay. So you see us building on that, yeah. not scrapping that and no. starting from scratch. No, uh, because if, if the, the Pitt opportunity, for instance, Pitt has a great dual enrollment program here. Uh, it's limited, from what I understand, to some to a small number of uh, AP and top, top level classes. And, uh, and so... Well, it could be wrong if that's where people want to do to go with it. Um, but we're we, we so we're not saying it must be only two places or three places. We want to have the best opportunities available. And colleges right now are hurting a bit when it comes to enrollment and demographics. So we want to say, hey, if you want the best kids in the Lehigh Valley, 
let's make a deal. Show us some value here. And we hope to build partnerships, all right, that reflect value for our kids and our communities. Your last position before coming here was Abington Heights, correct? Yes, yes. And you were there for how long? I was there for 17 years. So my tw- 22nd year as a superintendent overall, and I was at Abington Heights for 17 years as their superintendent. 17 years as a superintendent. Mm-hmm. And you oversaw a lot of changes there. Yeah, we yeah. did. We did. Things changed in 17 years. Let me yeah. tell you, things changed a lot in the last th- yeah, two sure. and a half years, for sure. Of course. Uh, yeah. Um, these kinds of post-secondary partnerships, is that right. something you built up at Abington Heights? We did. Okay. Uh, it was an emphasis there, and, and part of the reason that I think we could be successful here is because we had really great... Uh, our kids in Abington Heights um, benefited tremendously from these types of partnerships. I'll say my, my daughter... Um, is benefiting very much for having a, a large number of college credits uh, coming out. And she was not the top student in her class, a good student, but not the top student in her class. And, and having seen and worked in this area for a while, I'm just completely convinced that we can do really great things uh, in an environment that, that where kids deserve it. And, and we're going we're gonna to accomplish it. But yes, part of it is success. Part of it is success that we've seen and we want to build upon it here. So you mentioned students like your daughter who took yeah. advantage of these programs. Right. You also mentioned earlier, and you said this at our faculty mm-hmm. meeting as well, that as you move up the ranks from teacher to assistant principal to principal right. to upper administration, right. every move takes you one step farther away from the students. True. So... Our students probably don't have a strong sense of who you are right. or what your experience is. You now have the perfect forum to address the students of Southern Lehigh directly. Right. What do you want them to know about you? What do you want them to know about your plans? Tell them anything you want. Okay. Um, well, first I will say that I, every day I wake up, I am humbled to be here as the superintendent in this school district. And uh, very often I am removed from students. But what, what I can say is that the, the only thing that we should be judged upon is the service and opportunity and compassion that we provide to our kids. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but our students. And, uh, and, and my hope is that those are not just words. And to the extent that they appear to be just words, we want to hear about it and tell us. You know, we want to establish communication. And, and, and I will say that the best part of my day is when I'm in schools and when I'm saying hello to kids and they're saying hello to me or I'm watching them perform or seeing the great things that they're doing. It's inspiring to me. And it's, it's, you know, it's uplifting to me. Uh, to be able to get out of central bureaucracy and, right. and come see the great things that are happening in our building. So I look forward to, and again, I'm not going to be able to meet all the kids or know everybody by name or even close to that, but I, I do plan to be out and supportive. Uh, I've been to a lot of events. The play was fantastic, by the way, You know, earlier this year. It always is. Yeah. Uh, that program uh, runs like a well-oiled machine, yeah. and no matter how many great singers or actors we 
graduate, yeah. we instantly replace them with equally good ones. Right. The, the winter concert was, I couldn't believe the setting that was there. And, and again, I've been out to a number of events and games, which I continue to do because I enjoy it, really. And, and so I, I do want to be involved in the life of the schools and the life of the students, albeit from a position where that is certainly more challenging than if I had the privilege of, say, teaching in front of, the, in front of their classrooms. So you mentioned the theater program, yes. you mentioned the winter concert. What interests or hobbies do you pursue in your own time? When I was in high school, I, did, I played sports. Uh, I, I played football and I played baseball. Uh, I went to the University of Scranton where I, I played baseball not well. Like, don't don't anybody think <laughs> that I'm an athlete. I'm not. But what what I, position? I was a catcher. Okay, okay. I, I was yeah. a catcher. And uh, I, I love baseball. I wasn't all that good at it, but I played. Uh, I coached at the University of Scranton at the beginning of my uh, teaching career. I coached football also uh, until, as I said, I went over to the dark side where you become an administrator and you don't do anything fun anymore. Uh, you know, right now, um, as far as activities, I'm, I, I'm looking at that question myself and find that I'm sometimes I'm a boring person, right? I got to get a little more, I got a little more excitement because it's new. My, our daughter, again, just graduated. So, you know, my wife and I are looking for like new things and, and new hobbies, new activities. We're in a new place. Uh, so, you know, all, all those things, I, 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 I jog, I go out, I jog, I like to run a little bit. Um, I enjoy being outside. Um, I, I enjoy time with my family, time with my daughter. Um, we have a new dog. And that's a very much an open question right now is whether we're enjoying the new dog or not. We like the old one. Uh, and so, so you know, I have to kind of think about what's next for me as far as recreation and fun and, and new hobbies and things to do. Pickleball. Have you seen pickle, pickleball? is like the new thing. Pickleball is fantastic. That's like an old thing because I remember learning about pickleball in probably high school when yeah. I, in, in my phys ed it's class It's like a life-size ping pong. Yeah. 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 Pickleball is big. Yeah. Uh, in in place, just having left Edmonton Heights, uh, we had a group of seniors uh, fill out the form, and every week they would come into our gyms and play pickleball. And I thought, what is this? What is this pickleball? But you're right, it's emerging. It's a big thing. You know, it is fun. Yeah. So this is a time of major transition for you, sir, yeah. uh, professionally and personally. Right. We wish you the best. We thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, uh, and we look forward to uh, seeing how all the initiatives that you are inspired to bring to Southern Lehigh unfold over the next couple of years. Well, thank you. This was fun. I really enjoy. I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to listening to this and your future podcast and and thank you for having me today you're very welcome sir very welcome